Welcome, Welcome to the Author Factor Podcast, the show for profitable insights and tips with business owners, entrepreneurs, and CEOs who use their nonfiction book to create the ultimate competitive advantage and grow their business. Grow their business. Grow their business. Here's your host, Amazon best-selling author and book publishing coach, Mike Capuzzi. Welcome to another profitable episode of the Author Factor Podcast. I'm Mike Capuzzi, and I want to thank you for joining us. My guest today is David Newman. David is a certified speaking professional and member of the National Speakers Association's Million Dollar Speakers Group. He is the founder of Do It Marketing and the author of the books Do It Marketing, Do It Speaking, and his latest book, Do It Selling. David, welcome to the Author Factor Podcast. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. And just turns out that you and I don't live too far apart from one another, so it's kind of neat to know another uh, local folks. Uh, and David, you, were, you and I were introduced by a mutual friend, checked out your books. I got to tell you, I love the brand. I, I was just talking to someone and encouraging this young author about coming up with her own brand. I love what you've done with the Do It brand. But uh, before we go and talk about that, why don't you share a bit more about who you are, your business, and who you serve? Sure. So I run a company called Do It Marketing, and we're really a coaching and mentoring company. We work with thought-leading experts, which means consultants, coaches, speakers, and trainers, and we help them with marketing and sales and revenue growth. So you have been a prolific author. I'm sure you're probably not done yet, but I'd, I'd love to explore a little bit more about your author journey. So your, your first book, David, how long ago was that? First book had its 10th anniversary just this June. Do It Marketing came out June of 2013. I've got to ask you this because, again, uh, I've built a brand for myself, but it sort of came over the course of time. When, way back 10 years ago, did you have this brand in mind, the Do It Marketing brand, and then thinking about other books in that brand, under that brand? So I had all kinds of different company names, brand names before 2009 or so. 2009, I named the company Do It Marketing long before this book idea came to pass. And then when I wanted to write a marketing book, it's like, well, let's name the book after the brand. Mm -hmm. And that, that way you have the book and the brand and the platform and the website and everything could be consistent around Do It Marketing. So first book was 10 years ago. Um, the most recent book, do it speaking, right? Uh, or do it selling. That was, how long ago was that? That was very recently. That was May of 2023. Okay. So yeah, you're, 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 you're there. Uh, so let's dive in a little bit more about, you know, why a book, why a book, you know, why decided, you know, you're a marketing guy. So you know, all the opportunities. Can you go back, David, 10 years ago to why you decided to make that jump into becoming a and by the way, you've gone the traditional publishing route, correct? That's right. You have a publisher, right? Yeah. So why, you know, why a book? A book is uh, because it is difficult, even more difficult today, to get a traditional a traditional publishing deal. That to me is a credibility builder. So any client, any meeting planner, any potential prospect for our services, the thinking is, well. Any schmuck with an Amazon account can create, you know, a free ebook or, or book book. But the thinking is good enough for McGraw-Hill, 
good enough for me. Good enough for Wiley, good enough for me. Good enough for HarperCollins, this guy must be good enough for me. So I wanted to pursue that because of the credibility and the, the filtering platform that that creates. So why write a book at all? It was for visibility. It was to sort of systematize my thinking because I'm a very right brain, creative, wacky, crazy guy, Mike, in case you don't know, this is who I am. And it's like, well, let's, why don't we organize a little bit of this chaos, put it in print. And then when people look at the book, they go, oh, well, this makes sense. So obviously I used editors. I used a creative editor. I used someone to help me organize the ideas so that instead of coming out kerflui out of my brain, it was now nicely organized and put together. And then, you know, I knew that the book would bring me clients, the book would bring me speaking opportunities, the book would bring me uh, coaching and consulting clients, and then people would read the book and go, okay, this guy, this guy, he's either for me or he's not for me because the book has a very definite attitude and a point of view. So in a way, it's helping me qualify and disqualify people who want to work with me and vice versa. All those reasons were what was going through my head 10 years ago. Just out of curiosity, sort of a loaded question, but has your thought process at all changed over the course of 10 years with the importance of books? With the importance of books, no. With the importance of traditional publishing, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's. <laughs> The the tradition, so the traditional, first of all, most really good self-publishing operations, if I hand you a traditionally published book and a self-published book, you can no longer tell the difference. It's no longer got that cheap paper, the curly cardboard covers. I was like, what, what is this? As you make this in your basement, often, in fact, uh, independently published books look better and feel better and look more expensive and feel more expensive than what a traditional publisher might put out. So the cosmetics of it have now gone the other way. The marketing of it, has, this has always been true. I don't know why this comes as news to people. Traditional publishers do absolutely nothing to help you sell books, and they do quite a few things to prevent you from selling books. It's almost like they're the sales prevention department. I remember talking to my acquisitions editor and uh, I had a couple of URLs in the book and she says to me, David, we have to take those out. I said, what are you talking about? We're not taking those out. She goes, no, no, this book is not an advertisement for your business. And I said, that is where you're wrong. Not only is this book the biggest and best advertisement for my business, my entire business is the best advertisement for this book. So Mike, I was a very good author when I was in with traditional publishing. I didn't put up a lot of fuss, didn't put up a lot of fights. This fight, I won, and there were two or three others. One is the title of the book, which at some point they wanted to change. Two is, was I gonna be the one to read the audio book or would they hire a professional voiceover actor? So I said, cover, I'm gonna, that hill is worth dying on. Audio recording of the book, that hill is worth dying on. Putting URLs in the book so my book and the business are fully integrated, that was a hill worth dying on. Everything else I could put up with a lot of crazy nonsense from them, and I did, 
And uh, but those three were super important to me. I always say a book is a conversation starter. So why, you know, there's only a certain percentage of readers are going to want more for you. And if you don't give them those pathways to learn more, go to your website, whatever, connect with you, you're doing an injustice to them, in my opinion. And yes, I've heard, you know, story after story. You know, one of the, the, the um, bucket list items I haven't done is gone traditional publishing. I've published 19 books myself. Every one of them, you know, we've published ourselves. They all look great. They're great books. We use, you know, do a lot of what you're doing. But I just haven't had, I, I, like, I'm, I liken it to like a speedboat. I have a friend of mine, it took him two years to do a traditionally published book. I know there's stories like that. They're not the quickest things, whereas I can get a couple books done. But there's still, too much to your, you know, what you stated earlier, there's still an allure of being traditionally published. I, I just interviewed a gentleman whose goal, he has several traditionally published books. His goal, which his book just went live a couple weeks ago, uh, in the business space was now Wall Street Journal, New York Times bestseller. And interestingly enough, and you'll appreciate this, he had built out his marketing plan. First of all, it was a six-figure budget, and he built it out a year ago in front of his launch. I don't know if he hit that yet, but it's, you know, it's a worthy goal. I love it. I just, my eyes go cross when I think about it. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of moving parts. It is. It is. And it's not, I always encourage people it's not one and done, and you know this, right? And that book's done. It's not like you're done, and okay, I can not worry about it anymore. Like, now the hard part becomes of getting on podcasts, getting into speaking. But anyway, let's get back to you, David. And since Do It Selling is the new book, let's, we'll focus on that. Can you share you know, a bit of insight to encourage our listeners to go you know, grab a copy of it? But you know, what does Do It Selling mean? Who should be following that? Uh, who's, ideal, who's an ideal reader for you? So this book, unlike so many sales books out there, this book is written for the person who really hates to sell. Mm. So this is really for the accidental salesperson, the professional services seller who might be a consultant or a coach or an accountant or a lawyer. They got into it because they love the work of the work and they really don't like the sales part. They're kind of afraid of the sales part. They're like, oh God, now I have to sell? I didn't get into this, so I want, want to sell. I got into this so I could train or consult or do accounting or have my law practice. And the mantra is, are you willing to do what you have to do so that you get to do what you want to do? And we all have to learn to be the best possible entrepreneur of our own expertise. So this book is really written with the, the whole sales resistance the whole sales reluctance, the whole distaste for sales, totally baked in. In fact, the first section of the book, Mike, talks about if you don't like the word sales and selling, take those out of your vocabulary, replace them with two new words. Think about an invitation to a conversation. So invitation to a conversation about how you can help that prospect we all love invitations. No one's usually scared of an invitation. We all love conversations. That's where you meet new people. You exchange ideas. Perhaps some of these people become friends. Some You maybe commercialize some of those friendships. Maybe it becomes a center of influence or a referral or a strategic introducer. But generally, we're not afraid of either one of those two things. And then we dive deep into every single aspect of the sales process for the person who really doesn't like to sell. They don't like to sell. They don't want to sell. So part of it is mindset and part of it is tool set. I'll share one mindset nugget that I think folks will really resonate with. 
If you go into every sales conversation with the mantra that you have nothing to prove and you have nothing to hide, it is just the human to human, one-on-one relationship-based conversation based on Number one, genuine curiosity on your part of what that person's up against, what they're going through, and if and how you might help. And then number two, having a sense of genuine empathy. So one of the one of the phrases that I use in the book is this is really about trusted advisor marketing. The definition of a trusted advisor is someone who holds the prospect's interest above their own. So we're qualifying and we're disqualifying early. We are no longer in the chasing and persuading and convincing business. We are in the filtering and sorting business. Some folks are a great fit. Some folks are not a great fit. Some folks will be a nightmare to work with. Some folks will be an absolute dream. So it's up to us to filter, sort, grade, qualify, and disqualify. And think of it like a job interview. The last nugget I'll leave you with is think of it as a job interview. You're the interviewer. And the job post that you're looking to fill is my next client. Mm -hmm. So you have all the power. When you're interviewing, you decide who to hire. You decide who gets the interview. You decide who you'd like to move to the next step of that interview process. That's not to say that you're going to be arrogant or superior to your prospect, but it's going to be an adult-to-adult, peer-to-peer conversation about whether it makes sense to do business or not. And when you take all of that together... This is the book that I think democratizes and popularizes some of the really strong sales practices that even the salespeople that we come across, uh, if they aspire to that, you're like, wow, that person was a great salesperson. Unpacking that DNA of what made that a great sales experience and what made you think that person was a great salesperson, install that DNA into your business and your sales will take off. David, I love it. There's so much wisdom that you just shared. Um, there's so much insight, especially maybe, and maybe this is not your target, but even the younger folks who are now finding themselves in positions where you know, most of them have to sell something along the line. But this, this, that reframing idea about invitation to conversation, that's huge. And it, it does. I mean, I've been in this game probably just as long as you have, and I, I, all our business comes through these conversations I have. I don't stress about them at all anymore. I just, to me, it's like, hey, you know, I, I, very matter of fact, like you're saying, my goal is always to serve first, and even if it's just, you know, meeting someone new and saying, hey, this might not be a fit. So I love what you share. Uh, I'm sure uh, do it selling has you know much more. So nice job with that. Let's let's now shift David a bit to. Going back to marketing and book marketing specifically. So I think you've got a little bit of experience with this. So I'd love to hear, you know, in your opinion, what your number one strategy these days is for book marketing. You've done several books, probably going to do some more. But in 2023, what's David Newman? Where, where do you focus your energy when it comes to getting your book out there? So there's a couple of things. The first thing is launch partners. Mm. So launch partners, people who are in a similar or adjacent, and sometimes it's even directly competitive. It's amazing. Uh, Like, for example, sales authors, which is the community that I'm in now with this book. You would think that, well, sales authors don't want another sales book to be successful. Sales authors promote other sales authors 
all the time. Leadership authors promote other leadership authors all the time. E-commerce authors promote other e-commerce authors all the time. So there's plenty of business for everyone. And there's certainly, there's no reader that's going to buy one book in a category <laughs> and never buy anything else again. So that's just a ridiculous statement. If you bought my friend Mark Hunter's book last year, Mark is going to point out my book this year. When Mark writes another book next year, I'm going to help him promote his book because it makes us look great, right? One definition of an expert, expert is someone who promotes other experts. Um, this was in my Do It Marketing book, actually, this soundbite for people to take away about book marketing. People are not tired of hearing from you. They're tired of hearing from you about you. <laughs> So introduce other people, introduce other authors, build out the ecosystem around your personal brand. And that's why authors promote other authors. So that's really important. Number two, launch team. Launch team, early readers, beta readers, people that are willing to help you promote, people that are willing to help uh, buy the book uh, on launch day and launch week, people are, who are willing to buy the book and review the book. Believe it or not, you know, people say, well, who would want to help me? There are a lot of people who would want to help you. And they help you because they get the inside track on your new book, your new ideas. Uh, I would even say that you have a uh, an army of fans and supporters that you probably don't even know about. And they're on your email list. They're on your social media. They're in your phone. Uh, so your Rolodex, look it up on Wikipedia, kids. There's such a thing as a Rolodex. Uh, but your contact list is your ministry. These are the people that you're contacting with every day, prospects, clients, past clients, friends, associates, peers, uh, people that you're in mastermind groups with, people that you share Facebook groups with or LinkedIn groups, professional and trade associations. There's so many contacts that we have that this is the time to cash in your chips. This is the time to ask the favors. When your book is coming out, you need to be shameless and relentless in asking for help. Swallow your pride and you will realize that there is an army of people just waiting for you to ask. And that, you know, for us, especially as authors and experts, we are so good at giving the advice, Mike. We are often <laughs> not great at taking the help. Right. So we are the professional helpers if we're authors and experts. Uh, when help is offered to us, no, no, I'm fine. No, I'm good. No, I'll, I'll do it on my own. Lone wolves starve to death, my friends. Authors that build a team, launch team, beta readers, friends, and family to help promote huge, huge win. And then the last thing, the third strategy, uh, contrary to popular belief, email is not dead. So no matter how big or small your email list is, Email is way better than social media. Email is way better than any other thing that you can do. So it's not only your email list, it's how many other people are willing to email on your behalf. So when, my, when the Do It Marketing book came out, over a million emails went out. Guess how many people were on my personal email list at that time? Less than 10,000. So David's list, 10,000 emails. Partners, 990,000 emails. So that hit the bestseller list. That stayed in the top 20 of its Amazon category for 39 months straight. 
As we sit here today, it's got over 400 reviews, many of them five-star reviews, not all of them, but many of them. And so the longevity, much more important to me than hitting those bestseller lists, because as you know, Mike, a dirty sock can be an Amazon bestseller <laughs> on a random Tuesday night at 2 a.m. So we can hit that legitimately. We can hit that non-legitimately. I'm much less proud of my Amazon bestseller stats than I am of staying in the top 20, yeah. top 20 books in its category for 39 months yeah, straight. That's awesome. Because it's a marathon and a sprint at the same time, but you have to win the sprint so that you get to run the marathon. Again, David, tons of wisdom there uh, to unpack. So thank you for that. I I definitely want to get your feedback on this because, again, being an experienced marketer uh, and multi-book author, is there a mistake that you would want to warn, let's say, first-time authors about, David? Now, you've already alluded to a couple of them, launch team, you know, but is there any other like one big thing either that you made or that you'd want to warn others about when it comes to either the authoring, publishing, or promotion part of a book? Well, Mike, you made reference to it earlier. A lot of people think if I write a great book, it's going to sell itself. If I write an amazing book, it's going to sell itself. There is no book. I don't care if it's Harry Potter or the Bible or name the global bestseller of your choice that wasn't proactively intentionally and heavily marketed in all channels, all media with intention and with a game plan, you can write the world's best book. And if no one knows about it, your book is not going to have the impact that you want it to have. So just like with reluctant salespeople, we have reluctant marketers of their book. It's like, no, no, Mike, you don't get it. This book is my best work. My clients read this book. They said, oh, gosh, there's tens of thousands of dollars in value. This is the best book in its category. I don't need to market it. I don't need to promote it. I don't need to buy ads for it. Uh, It'll just be, it'll take off. It'll be word of mouth. There is no more word of mouth, my friends. And if there is, the only word of mouth that really moves the needle is driven by intentional marketing. And it's the gravy. It's not the meat. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. So, gosh, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking, whoa, we can have another conversation or another interview about creating those launch teams because that's such a critical thing. But uh, our, our time for this particular episode is wrapping up here, David. So I want to just get your insight and your feedback on uh, what it has meant to you to be this now 10 plus year book author. What has it meant to David Newman? Uh, as far as the impact that it's had either on you or on the world, it's, you know, your, your potential clients, your clients to be a book author. I think it's been a fantastic platform to build the other components of the business from Pamela Slim has a fantastic book from a few years ago called a body of work. And if you have a book and if you have multiple books, so Mike, you've got 19, I only have three, but that body of work, is also a living legacy. So as far as what was your imprint on the universe, what was your contribution to your area of expertise, if it's captured in a book, it can really outlive you. And while you're here, it can make a tremendous difference to the level of impact and success that you have as an entrepreneurial author. 
David, where is the best place our listeners can learn more about you? Where's the best place to grab any of your Do It books? Tremendous. So we have a couple of resources. Our main website is simply doitmarketing.com. There are companion tools, resources, and downloads for the Do It Selling book at doitselling.com. And we also have a free 37-page PDF manifesto that's part marketing, part sales, part revenue growth at doitmarketing.com slash manifesto. Very good. Well, David, I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, congratulations on the new book. I did want to ask the real last quick question. Is there a, yet another, a fourth book in the future or are you done? I don't think I'm done, but I don't know what the fourth book is going to be about. Yeah, my guess is there's probably a fourth one coming, but I'll be, I'll be Could be. Yeah. You never know. Very good. Well, listen, David, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Awesome to be here, Mike. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you. And if you found this podcast helpful, please help me grow by sharing with your network and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. Till next time, this is Mike Capuzzi. Thank you for listening to the Author Factor Podcast. To learn more about Mike's unique short book publishing opportunities, please visit bitesizedbooks.com.